Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, welcome everyone to the Tennis.com podcast. Uh, I'm Ed McGrogan here with Tom Parada and Steve Tegner. This is the post-French Open uh, podcast. We're looking back on the two finals. Um, we got one big surprise final, surprise winner, Francesca Schiavone. She beat seven-seeded Sam, Sam Stozer, and then Rafael Nadal took his fifth French Open, beating Robin Soderling in straight sets. Um, what did you think of the finals, guys? Like, uh, well, the Schiavone, very inspiring performance. I would didn't expect that at all. She really was able to, first of all, she was able to attack Stoser's serve, which I didn't think anybody was going to do. She she had no fear doing that, and she had really had, I kept expecting her to tighten up at the end of the match a little bit and just play not to lose, but she never did. Even at 5, she played the best point of the of the match at 5-2. In the tiebreaker, showed no nerves at all. Um, I guess it's one of those one of those wins that shows that that you know just when you, you when you, sometimes when you think that that it's a it's a sport dominated by a few players that, that if if things break right and somebody takes advantage of their opportunity any anything can happen really one of the you know one of the nicer moments from a slam that I can remember for a while I, I agree with that and I think as a player she's got to feel like I never have to worry about Anything again, I played the best tiebreaker of my whole career. That was the best tennis I've ever seen her play. She could have possibly played in a, in a moment where you really should be tense. She wasn't tense at all. Came to the net, hit beautiful volleys, returned aggressively, hit a huge forehand winner in that tiebreaker, which you just don't really see yeah. from her. I kept thinking she's going she's gonna to at one point just say, all right, this is my only chance to win a slam, or just start to think that in the breaker, and that would just... That would m- slow her up a little bit, but it never. It didn't. And she pulls out a volley like like she's been doing all day. Yeah. yeah. And she did something that yeah you never see. She said, "This is my only only moment ever to win a slam, so I'm going to take it." And really went out there and took it. And I, it's very tough to do. Um, all credit to her. And she's had a fine career. She's you know a good player, a tough out. Mm-hmm. She's going to be 30 years old this month. This is this is the peak. It must be really nice to to have this knowing that you know the chances are she'll never be in that situation again but yeah, i don't it's know whether it, does it inspire the other players at, at her level does it make them feel make them feel kick themselves that could be me or i guess it i guess it has to inspire certain you know some players that, that there's always a chance that this could happen you would hope but why not i mean who, who talked about her doing anything at this tournament i know and then of course dementia and yankovic two players i don't know if they'd be ins- inspired by this they just another golden opportunity gone by but Schiavone she um thought she'd hit balls back moved around pace spin put everything Stozer had at her Stozer you know wasn't at her best certainly not against her other matches but I don't I didn't think she was a victim of nerves either like 100 percent I thought that I thought Stozer was pretty good yeah I thought Schiavone figured out a nice way to take her out of her game looped her a bit sliced her Came to the net, rushed her, did a, did a lot of very smart things that took her away from it. You yeah, mentioned uh, Yankovic, and I think there is someone who can take some inspiration from this, or at least a bit of a model, because Yelena has a lot of great qualities, but she has a lot of negative energy at times. Yeah, yeah. this shows that you can do it with a mindset, some of the mindset that, that, that a lot of the players don't have. It's exactly right. You, you go out there, you believe you're going to do it. It works. I mean, it helps her that she's playing Sam Stoser in the final. Yeah, maybe if she's playing Justine Edna, she's a little overwhelmed about playing possibly the best clay court player of her generation but i thought stoser did get a little nervous she, i mean she she always throughout the tournament she was sort of on the verge and st- other than in the yankovic match of 
of choking, but but she didn't. She held it. She held it off, and she didn't choke in the final. But but I th- I think like she 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 sort of had a match that she thought was going to be hers taken from her. You could see it in the on the trophy stand afterwards. She sort of had a blank look, like yeah, this no. is my chance. Am I going to get another chance? Like what just sort of like what just happened to me? Yeah, she was look on her she, face. She was a little bit of a, a mess up there, and then Skiavoni afterwards was just elated. You could it was really nice to see. I mean that was a. A fun look and just you know different I guess from all the Serena wins and victory speeches you see it's it was a it was a good change of pace I mean even even though my prediction was shot to hell very quickly what did you say Stosa? I said in a, in a route yeah and I then would. and then I put up a poll on our site and three percent of people said Skiavoni and two said so this was just a you know from my perspective this was a really big shock in the end but yeah yeah I think it shows too if you look at Stosa and I feel for her, she's I don't know how many more situations she gets into of this caliber, but she's a very talented player. But it's tough to win the match. You're supposed to win after you've won a few that you're not going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you st- beat I Serena, beat Justine, right? Kill Yankovic, and then now this is a match that you won in the first round here last year in straight sets. It's, that's actually a different kind of pressure. And you saw this at the Australian Open a few years ago when Djokovic won. I noticed it a bit in the final. He had beaten Federer, and he was supposed to win that final. He did, but he lost the set there against Sanga, and he, there was some tightness. And if he had, if that had gone any further, that match he might have lost it. You could see him battling with the idea that, hey, I'm really supposed to win this. What's going on? I think Why it happened so to difficult? Rafa in '05 here too. He beat Federer in the semis and played Puerta, lost the first set, but then sort of straightened yeah. himself out. And that could have gone to the fifth too, and it might have been tough because yeah, he was looking tired at that point. Skiavoni's. One of the biggest Grand Slam upsets, would you guys say, is just champion just in general. I mean, I don't know if you want to go back like Yeah, I mean, she's the yeah. first Italian, what, first Italian woman ever to win a slam. So that's, that in itself is a that's shock. First, big. first man or woman <laughs> since the 70s. Uh, I like what she had to say at the end. She said, I know what the big champions say when they're up here. Like, she was still differentiating herself from, she wasn't, you know, she hadn't joined the big champion. She was like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not like them exactly but i know what they do when they're up here it's great she knows i mean she knows her place and she doesn't have to be embarrassed about it be proud of it i'm i'm this caliber player but i i had a great couple weeks yeah it can happen it was a good sound bite a lot of stuff from her um in the men's final much more recognizable champion up there in the doll um he uh this match turned out to be a lot different also than i thought Uh, i was thinking at least four sets i thought so and grab one but you know, Sodling started off very nice, and I, you know, had his chances, and but Rafa just played some incredible defense there, Tom. And uh, tell me what you saw out of that final. The first set, I think, made a big difference. There was a couple points where Sodling could have gotten a break and gotten a nice lead, and or taken that set, and it might have changed things a lot. I liked the way he was playing, very aggressive, but I, by far, it was the best match Nadal played at this tournament, and was really great, was really steady when he needed to be, was actually aggressive when he needed to be. And I think some people were talking about, you know, sort of like, oh, maybe he wasn't as good as he was against Federer and made more unforced errors. I see a lot of those unforced errors as forced errors because when you hit four winners and they all come back, the last one, no matter how wide the court is open, you go for a little more because you're really tired of the guy doing that, and then you make a mistake. Yeah, I thought that too. I actually didn't think until the until the middle of the second set, I thought Soderling was playing well. First set and a half, yeah, yeah. I he thought he was, was good. Yeah, strong. He, um, I mean, he could hit he could hit three balls that may have been winners or or near winners against most players. He couldn't hit the fourth, but that's not the way he plays. He plays his game is low percentage. He can't keep hitting those shots one after the other, and he he would just miss maybe the fourth great shot in a rally at a, on a break point. So he was. He was sort of snake bit at, at that point, and then 
I think you know Nadal got some of the nerves out out early. But I was I was a, wasn't sure whether Soderling competed as well as I thought he would. I I thought the match was going to be closer. And one of one of Soderling's strongest points, as we've been talking about, is how well he competes. How he you know he he doesn't seem to doubt himself. I I didn't I feel like either he was he was just flat and that just happened that day, or it was a little like last year's final where he couldn't maybe he just couldn't rise to the occasion. He couldn't. He didn't seem to have that extra edge that he brought definitely to the Nadal match last year into the Federer match this year. He's, he seemed to be trying to get himself worked up and into it, but, he, but he, he wasn't. I thought by the time the third set came around, the concession speech was sort of in for him a little bit. And yeah, definitely the last couple of games. Yeah. The last game, yeah. he didn't, which just is surprising. It was 5-4. He didn't, yeah. he didn't get it. Yeah, he needed just one break. Yeah. He, he sort of reminded you've talked about, like, um, we called Gasquet the microwave. I, I, Soderling obviously has a lot more accomplished, but he, he can sometimes be that way too. It just, you know, the shots don't fall. That It's point over. It's so, you know. Yeah. I think Nadal does that to people too, though. I think that's part of what happened to him out there. It just breaks you down confidence-wise to know I have to, you know, you play a perfect point. You hit the fifth winner this time and you win that point, and then you think, well, I have to do that again. I have to do it again. I have to do it again. It's it's just it becomes endless and sort of hopeless when he's retrieving that well. Yeah. Also, his return, Nadal's return, very annoying. It's a good return. It's not what you would call like an Agassi classic return, but a, a great serve by Soderling might just come looping back with no pace, about a foot from the baseline. It's really, a really tough shot to deal with. So then you have to create all the power. Yeah. And it's really hard to do. And I, he only aced him seven times. They each had seven aces. I thought Nadal served pretty well for most of the match. He had a few hiccups, but mostly was good and. Got his racket on everything, yeah. you know, when Sordolin can really throw it down. Yeah, he didn't lose serve, and but I thought he served. There was a lot of 30-30 points, I recall, from there that he got himself out of very well. and He had the wide serve going in the deuce yeah. court, which he doesn't normally – he doesn't hit that a lot, but he had it against Sordolin. He can hit it when he, when he wants to. He has amazing accuracy with a shot that he doesn't try that often. And the other thing we, I think you saw from Nadal that we always used to see when he played Federer in, in any match, break points always comes up with yeah. something spectacular or or just what stays, I, or, or stays in it there's never it's never an easy point to win against him and you know he probably won't lose them right he, he definitely right. lets Soto make the last error on a, a last shot just by giving him one more to hit definitely. but you have to, have to be happy for Nadal to be back but just for for the sport for going into Wimbledon you've got you know you've got everybody or you've got he and Federer looking both looking good and just just for Rafa himself to see what it meant to him after last year and all and everything that had happened to him in the last 10 or 11 months, you know, what, what this, this pretty routine, seemingly pretty routine win meant to him. You know, it was, it was, it was another great moment coming after the Schiavone match as well. Yeah. yeah he looked emotionally exhausted in, in a positive, in a positive way. What, what do you think about Wimbledon going forward, Steve, for Nadal? Just, is he going to have that sort of momentum that he used to get going into that? Yeah. Tournament? Well, he hasn't lost a match. It's one of the, this time he was even, even better on clay than he, than he has been. He didn't lose a single match. I, I think so. He's always brought that momentum into Wimbledon. He, you know, made the final three straight years after three straight French Open wins. So I don't see why, I don't see why he wouldn't this time. He's doing yeah Queens again, then he'll, you know it's it's kind of old habit for him now. I think he's playing yeah. doubles in Queens. I think too. So his knees are feeling good. Yeah. Um, one more thing on Soto. It's just you know he's he's developed his game on clay obviously so much, and he's still on the rise. I think. And you know what what about him on other surfaces? Really, what do you because I think a lot of people have kind of thought maybe now he is one of the players who, 
you know, hasn't won a slam, but he might be the next best thing to at some point, like Murray. But uh, what do you think about him on, you know, down the road, Wimbledon, hard courts, other things? He surfaces? seems to have a game that would can that can work on any surface. He, he he's not a clay quarter. He never he was an indoor player mainly because he, he needed the the conditions had to, had to be right for him. But he's you know he made he was in the semis in Indian Wells and he he um he beat Murray there and he and he's he played we all know he played Nadal well on grass at Wimbledon so I. I mean, maybe the maybe the slowness of of clay helps him with his long swings, and that's why he's done well at the French Open. But but the you know most hard courts now are relatively slow, so I I don't see him having I don't see him being any I see him also being a threat on other surfaces. Yeah, I do too. I think the, the game translates to every surface. The question for I think grass he might actually have a little more trouble, although he was good against Nadal there. I mean, it's, the ball's a little lower. He doesn't like that so much, and I think some of his strokes are a little, you know, a little bit too long. But I, as far as him being on the rise, I don't really know. I, I don't know how much better he's going to get. I don't think I agree with Borg that he's the next yeah. number one. I think he's always going to be dangerous and always a person you don't want to see in the draw anywhere near your name. But is he going to go out and win a bunch of slams? Uh, yeah, he I, also, I'm not sure about that. He seems like a guy who could lose in the first round of Wimbledon. Right, just Definitely. the consistency I don't think is there. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's about all for now. We're going to... Um, reconvene a little later this week Wednesday uh, when Pete Boda returns Pete and Steve will be back uh, and we're going to look at some more takeaways from the French um, any questions you have send them to podcast at tennis.com and we'll include some of those in the next podcast as well so thank Tom Prada for stepping in here the past couple times and uh, we'd love to have you again Steve Tegner Ed McGrogan uh, thanks for listening you've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.